You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, musicians, for leading us up in worship this morning. I just want to just kind of reiterate... um, what Shannon was talking about. So, we have a prom that is for adults. Yes. And see, some of those, those are hallelujahs because we need a, a do-over for what happened back in the day. I don't know if you had a bad prom or a bad experience. We just want you to know that this is your chance to do it right. So, I told my wife, you know what? This 21st century kids, I'm not making a sign or making a, you know, taking me out on a prom type of thing. I'm not doing none of that. No, you want to go, yes or no, amen? And so I'm not making no sign. I'm not going to have a billboard or anything. So don't expect it, amen. It's too much pressure. It's just too much pressure. So guess what? And I'll say this. If you have the desire to go and if you're not able to pay the full amount, email the church. We don't want you not having the funds not to be here. Amen? You know, we try to make ministry affordable for everyone, but sometimes we know things, are, things get tight. First of the year, middle of the year, taxes already spent. Your taxes need to be paid in, you know, processed the next couple of days. But, um, yes, yeah, so if you want to go, you have a desire to go to prom, definitely just email the church at admin at onechurchnc.net, and we will make sure that you have a seat at the table. April 30th, we have potluck. Amen. Yes. So it is our fifth Sunday. And so every fifth Sunday, we, it is called Family Sunday. And this is an opportunity for us just to gather together as family, just to, to have meal and to worship together so we won't have kids' church that Sunday. But this is the time where you get to bring out your best dish that you, that you have mastered, right? Please, 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 please. Don't, don't bring anything that you're practicing on, amen? <laughs> don't bring a dish that you just crafted the night before. Yeah, don't do it. Just leave it at home, amen, in Jesus' name. <laughs> but um, look, bring your best dish. Just bring, you know, bring something um, that you want to kind of just share with, with the church, and uh, we promise you that we would definitely, you know, we just want to just fellowship, Amen. My old, my, one of my old pastors used to say, he called it swallowship. We just want to just eat together, amen? We just want to sit at the table and just enjoy each other's company and just lift up the name of Jesus through the breaking of bread. Next week, I am so excited. We have the opportunity to marry a couple. Yes. And um, I'm ex- I know they're excited, amen? They're ready for the after party, amen? Yes. Can I get a Hallelujah. I heard a heavy one back in the back. I get you, brother. Yes. So when we do coaching or counseling, my wife and I always tell or encourage our couples, keep your hands out the cookie jar until the day we say I do. Amen? So PG-13 version, don't have any intercourse, okay? We just we keep it real in this church. And so we want to just honor um, when we believe that God is doing through the union of just marriage. And so we want to celebrate um, Robert and Vanessa 
So directly after service, don't go anywhere. You know, a wedding takes about, what, 20 minutes or whatever. Let's just show up for this, this couple, right? Let's just celebrate what God is going to do in their life. And so if you have the opportunity to be in attendance next week, just let's celebrate what God is going to do in honoring the space for marriage. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. I'm so excited. So we're in a series right now called Nailed. It is our Easter series for the month of April, and I begin to think about what it means to be nailed to the cross. And as I said before, that sometimes on Sunday, you worship God on Sunday, right? And then you get to work on Thursday, and you don't have a hallelujah in your praise. Have you ever been there before? Like, you know, you're here today, and you're worshiping and praising God, but maybe on Wednesday or Thursday, that you know, you don't have your hallelujah. You don't even have a thank you, Jesus. And I get that. We gather on Sunday with the saints, but on Wednesday or even by Tuesday, we begin to believe that, God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever been in a situation like that where you've gotten through Sunday? Monday comes along even like, my God, what is taking place with my faith? There are times in my walk with Jesus I'm asking God and questioning, God, where are you? Where is the presence of God in my life? There are times when I don't feel like shouting. There are times when I don't feel like praising God. There are times when I don't even want to clap my hands. Truth be told, it's all that I can do is to walk inside the church. I mean, that may not be your story, your testimony, but sometimes that, that is my testimony, that all I can do is to, to muscle up enough energy to get into the house of the Lord. That may not be your story today, but I promise you it's going to be your story at some point in time in your life. Come on now. Amen. Sometimes you're wondering, God, where are you? And see, the presence of God doesn't always match my praise for God. Because we know Scripture tells us when two or three are gathered that he is in the midst. So God's presence is here. But sometimes my praise does not match God's presence. Sometimes it's just, I, I struggle. I struggle with my faith. I struggle in holding on to God. And I get it. Hebrews tells us that, that for he himself, he said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. But God, where are you at today? If you say that I would never leave you nor forsake you, God, I don't feel your presence in my life right now. The author of Hebrews writes in verse 6, so, so we may boldly say to the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. He tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. He says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, and I would never leave you and forsake you. But God, where are you today? You're telling me to be strong and courageous, but God, 
I don't feel your presence in my life. So excuse me just because the presence of God doesn't match my praise today. Because all I have is to make it to church. That's all I can give him right now. So my praise is my presence in the church. See, the activity of God doesn't always mean that God is absent. See, it's frustrating when God knows he's loving and he's omnipresent and he's merciful, but he doesn't always expect to do what I desire for him to do. See, we're frustrated when he doesn't answer our prayers or he doesn't move the way that we think he should move or he doesn't. Bless me like he blesses everyone else. God, you're moving in their life. Why aren't you moving in my life? God, I see the hand on their life, God, but where is your hand upon my life? God, I've been saved for 20, 30, 20 years, maybe just two days. That's okay. But God, where is your presence in my life? Maybe you didn't see your mother, brother, father, sister be healed from that disease, from that pain. Not only are you frustrated in your faith, your faith is fleeting. Doubt is creeping in. Not only are you frustrated in your faith, that your faith is fleeting, is leaving you right now, and doubt is creeping in. Then I begin to ask God, is faith the same thing as belief? Right? See, I'm holding on to faith in one hand and, and, and belief in the other hand. I'm holding on one hand, I'm holding faith, my faith in God. And then the other hand, I'm holding on to belief. See, faith is God that we trust into the character of God, the nature of God, but belief is what God will do. It's the expectation of a desired outcome and what we believe God can do through our faith. See, faith and belief are two separate things. They're not the same. They're not one and the same. They are very two separate things. See, faith in God is real, but my belief is in a real God that will act upon my situation. See, my faith says that God is loving and he cannot lie and that he will not fail me, but my belief tells him that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask for. That is what I believe. See, you can, have, you can have belief without faith, but you can't have faith without belief. See, you can have faith and belief, but you can't believe without having faith. 
See, when life has happened to you and, and, and things are weighing on your spirit, and then sometimes you begin to doubt who God is and how Jesus is moving in your life. Which reminds me of a story of a man who brings his only son, who's demon-possessed, to the disciples. He brings his demon-possessed son to the disciples, and he immediately turns to the disciples, and the disciples are unable to cast out any demons. He turns to Jesus immediately and cries out to him, my son, my son, can you help my son Jesus, please? Jesus asked him, how long have your son been in this manner? He says, since birth. And then the man says, if you can heal my son. Does he know who he's talking to? Does he realize who he has given his only son to? He's given his son to Jesus Christ, the Lord, the creator, our maker. And you're saying, if? If God can, if Jesus can? Jesus says to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Then the father says, can you please help my son? Verse 24 in Mark chapter 9 says this. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. See, for that very quick second, doubt crept in to the father. It's been so long that his son has been in this situation that he, he has lost faith in God. He has lost faith in the very person that created him. He said, if you can, then God, I, I do believe, but help my unbelief. See, I know that I'm, I have an office of a pastor, but there's times when, God, please help my unbelief. God, I know that you can do, but God, at this moment, help my unbelief. Now, God, I'm still holding on to my faith right now, but God, I, I don't believe that you can do what I think and need you to do in this very moment. See, faith is not hoping that God can. It's knowing that God will. Faith is not hoping that if God can, it's knowing that God will. He works all things together for the good of those who are being called according to his name, right? All things. That's A to Z. You fill in the middle. Whatever your all may look like, whatever your all may be today, whatever your all is, whatever your all that you've been dealing with this week, this month, this year, whatever that all that you've been placing at the, the, the crown of Jesus' feet and you begin to believe that, God, what can you do with this stuff that I'm giving you? 
He's saying all things. But God, help my unbelief. There are times in my life when, frankly saying, it's just all hell has been breaking loose, right? Translated means that, you know, bad things have been happening, like things just is not going right. When did my belief and my faith shift it? Which brings us to our passage of Scripture for today, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. 24 through 39, 29. NIV is on the screen, but I'm going to be reading from the ESV version just to give it a little shift. It says this in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand on his side, I would never believe. Unless I see his hands, unless I see the mark of the nails, and place my hand on his side, I will never believe. Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. This is the first time that we see once Jesus was crucified that someone called him Lord and God. See, you can have a God, but you don't have a Lord. That's the problem with many Christians today. You have a God, but you don't have a Lord. See, a Lord over your life means that he proclaims and he deals with everything. He, man, he, he, he guides your footsteps and he guides your tongue. He guides your walk. That is what a Lord is. A God is somebody that you talk to and begin to pray to, but a Lord over your life is everything. Tell your neighbor, you need to get a Lord in your life. Tell your other neighbor, you need one too, Amen. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So the title of my message today is Seeing and Believing. Seeing and Believing. See, John chapter 20, we begin to look at, I want you to go back and read the entire chapter of John 20. John chapter 20 really outlines three occasions about unbelief. It's a chapter about unbelief. 
So I'm just going to give you a thumbnail sketch of what chapter 20 talks about today. Chapter 20, verse 2 says this. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter, Peter, Peter the rock, went out with the other disciples, and they were going towards the tomb, both of them running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping down, looking in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Verse 6 says, Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded. But folded up in a place all by itself. Man. Sweetheart, can I see your scarf for quick? Come on now. Double time it. Come on. Bring it in. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so his clothes lying there. Right? That's what scripture says. I'll wash that lot. I'll dry clean it later. She just rebuked me from the seat. Good <laughs> God. Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Scripture says that Jesus' clothes, once Peter got to the tomb, were just lying there, right? Lying there. But John makes it an intentional point to point out one very close facet that I mentioned last week's sermon, where it was that the face cloth wasn't just lying there. Don't question my folding skills. But it was folded. That's how I do my, my, my clothes. Folded. Why is that important? Because this dispels the stolen body rumor that they try to put out. Now let's think about it. All those who got a B and E, breaking and entering. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you're going to go into somebody's place and steal something, if the cloth was over Jesus' face, you're not going to take the time to fold it up. I mean, you're robbing the place. Unless you're a polite robber, right? You're going to vacuum and wash the dishes and do everything else? That's not the case. Scripture says that the face cloth was folded. Which translate in Jewish customs means that he's coming back. That he's not dead. That Jesus has risen 
with all power and all authority. Scripture says that it was folded, which brings me to my first point in this, that there was unbelief in the Scriptures, that there was unbelief in the Scriptures. So let me, let's make sense of this. I need you to turn to John chapter 20, the chapter that we're in right now, verse 9. And so we're going to do some audience participation. Whoever has it first, I want you to stand up and read it out loud. Come on now. John chapter 20, verse 9 says, For as yet they did not understand the Scriptures, that he must rise from the dead. The disciples who walked, who ate, who fought, who casted out demons with Jesus did not know the scriptures. Their unbelief in God's written word Church, we have to be disciples of Christ in such a way that we live, eat, and breathe by this thing right here. Y'all heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. Dusty Bibles, dirty Christians. If your Bible is dusty, that means you're dirty. And if you're dirty, you're crusty. Who wants a dirty, crusty Christian? (laughs) Dusty Bibles means dusty and dirty Christians. They knew not what the scriptures said. Unbelief in the scriptures, which leads to unbelief of the spirit. My point number two. Mary didn't sense that Jesus was before her. If you go back and read John chapter 20, you'll see that Mary did not sense that Jesus was before her. See, Mary was looking for Jesus. You know, Mary was one of the first ladies at the tomb. And she missed Jesus Christ standing before her. She didn't recognize him. She even questioned his presence. Y'all know Job, where Job lost everything. Job chapter 23 says this, verse 8 and 9. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backwards, and I do not know, I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he's working, I do not behold him, and he turns to the right hand, but yet I do not see him. What God is saying is that I look to the north, I don't see him. I look to the south, I don't see him. I look to the east, I don't see him. I look to the west, I don't find the presence of God anywhere. I look before me, I look behind me, I look to my right, and I look to my left, and God is not anywhere to be found. This is Job. 
Mary did not even sense the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ standing before her. Mary is searching for Jesus and doesn't even recognize that her Lord and Savior is in her midst. You shouldn't allow your problem to shape your perspective that molds your predictions. You should not allow your problem to shape your perspective that molds your predictions. Mary went to the tomb looking for someone. Problem. And because she didn't see it, it shaped her perspective, which led to predicting that he was never there. And the entire time, he was right there before her. If you don't believe me, let's read verses 14 through 16. This is what the Bible says. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing that Jesus that is standing before her is a gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, just, just let me know. Let me know what you did with his body. If you have taken Jesus, let me know where you've taken him. And Jesus said this. He said, Mary. He made it personal. He shifted from saying woman to you say, you know what? I know you. I've called you by name. I've created you. I know every hair that's on your head. Mary. She turned and said in Aramaic, Rabone, which means my teacher. After he said her name, she knew then that was her Savior. When was the last time God or Jesus called you by name? I believe Mary is looking into Jesus' eyes as he says, Mary, my daughter, I'm standing here before you. Can you not perceive my spirit? My daughter, I love you. She would have missed the presence of the Lord if she wasn't willing to slow down enough to talk to a lonely old gardener. She slowed down enough to talk to a gardener. Let me put this in 2023 translation. She slowed down enough to talk to a homeless person. She slowed down enough to talk to a housekeeper. 
She slowed down enough to talk to that mean person who's at the DMV. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I think the state of North Carolina hires certain people with certain skill sets to work for the DMV. I don't know what it is. She slowed down enough to entertain conversation with a stranger. Better yet, an immigrant. A refugee. Because if you don't know, Jesus is a refugee. If you didn't know, Jesus is an immigrant. We'll flip those tables later, amen? And let me, let me just remind you, if you're taking notes, write down this scripture. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says this. Do not neglect to show hospitality to a stranger. For thereby some have are entertaining who? Angels. Angels. So don't be turning your nose up to somebody that you think is less than you. Don't turn your nose up to somebody that may not look like you, dress like you, vote like you, or even talk like you. Because you may be entertaining an angelic person. All right, let me, let me just, let me wrap this up. Let me. Unbelief in the scripture. Unbelief in the spirit. And unbelief in the signs. Church, we have to know the signs. You have to know the time that we are living in right now. You have to know where we're living right now. These are the final days that we are in. My mama used to tell me this years ago, but I believe it even more so now than ever. These are the final days that we are living in. So don't sit here and don't believe the signs that we are sitting in. The disciples had unbelief in the scriptures, in the presence of God, and the signs. See, we see in chapter 20, there's a particular man that is mentioned. His name is Thomas. Many of us know him as Doubting Thomas. But nowhere In the Bible, does the scripture identify Thomas as doubting? Nowhere in scriptures that we see that we call, we see here that it's called doubting Thomas. No. But the church, Christians, has labeled him as such. I'm coming for you now. See, people will label you by your faults and not your faith. People will label you by your faults and not your faith. That's fine. Label me then. Label me lying, cheating, 
fornicator, ex-porn addict, my faults, but my God, my faults, but my God, who redeems and restores and still use dirty, messy, ugly people like myself. And God has a desire to take your faults and your mess and use you anyhow. So wherever you are at in the spectrum from A to Z, God wants to use you. Don't allow people to, be, to label you by your faults and not by your faith. See, we doubt because we haven't seen God move in the way that we desire for God to move. Verse 24 says this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, in the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my finger in his hand on his side, I would not believe. I would never believe. Hmm. Where was Thomas? Think about it. Where was Thomas? Scripture shows that just passages before, Jesus appears in the upper room to his disciples. Jesus appears to the upper room to his disciples, but Thomas is not there. So where was Thomas? I believe Thomas is trying to figure some things out. I believe Thomas is trying to figure this whole new church thing, this being a Christian is all about. Trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus and what does it cost to follow Jesus. Thomas is trying to figure his life out because on one hand, he can't go back to the church because he's going to get persecuted, and he can't go back to his job because he gave that up too. This is Thomas. How does he go back to his family and say, you know what, I'm unemployed, and my rabbi is no longer here. What do I do? Thomas is trying to figure some things out. He doesn't fit in the church, and he doesn't fit in the world. He's trying to figure out why, why did this happen? Why, did it, he, why didn't he stop this? He had all power to get himself off the cross. Why didn't he stop his death? Thomas doesn't know what to do. Thomas doesn't fit in anywhere. Thomas is frustrated in his faith. His faith 
is in a crisis. This is the same Thomas that said, I would die with you, Jesus, in John chapter 11. When Jesus said that I had to go back to Jerusalem, and the disciples were saying, Jesus, you cannot go back there because they will stone you to death. Thomas said, no, God, Jesus, I'm going to ride or die with you. I'm going to be there with you. The only disciple that said, no, I will go with Jesus. The same Thomas that was willing to lay down his life walking with Jesus is now frustrated in his faith and has doubt. The same Thomas that walked with Jesus who saw him five, 5,000 people with some fish and some chips. The same Thomas that saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. The same Thomas that walked with Jesus and healed the woman with the issue of blood. The same Thomas that walked with Jesus for three years, that saw signs, miracles, and wonders, has doubt. Peter was told by Jesus that Satan desires to sift you. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, this is what Scripture says. This is Jesus talking to Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demands to have you. Meaning that Satan is chasing after that. Satan wants your life at all costs. He's willing to lay down everything to take you out. That he might sift you like wheat. But Simon, Peter, I, your father, your creator, your teacher, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That you will not doubt what's going to take place. And not only that, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So when your brothers and sisters who are in Christ are struggling, my brother and sister who are of faith, strengthen them. Those who may be weak in their walk should be strengthened by those who are strong. Walk with them. Encourage them. Build their faith up in Christ Jesus. That's why it's so important to be connected to a church. I don't care if it's one church 
or the second church. Be connected to a church. Amen? Sometimes your faith is sifted, which causes you to doubt Jesus' existence. Your faith is in a crisis. But God, your faith is failing, but God. This is what I love about John chapter 20. Jesus comes back for the one. Jesus comes back for that one. Verse 26 says, eight days later, one week later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. He wasn't there the first time when Jesus showed up in the upper room. But eight days later, Jesus shows up. And although the doors were locked, come on now, come on, church. Do, do we know we serve a God that can unlock every door? He can open up any door. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He came back for the one. He came back for the one. I'm glad that I'm that, that one. When I doubted, he came back for me. When I walked away from the faith, he came back for me. When I didn't believe, he came back for me. He came back for you. Even in my doubt and disbelief, he set a table for one. So I don't know if you're struggling in your faith right now. Jesus is setting a table for you right now. And he's the host. C.S. Lewis said this. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but it's peace in the difficulties. C.S. Lewis was basically saying that this world is not promised that you may not face hard times and difficult times, but, it, but when you do, Life with God means that you have peace in those difficult moments. Then he says this, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and place it on my side. God gave Thomas everything that he asked for. He asks, unless I see, unless I touch and place my hand on his side, I would not believe. Unless I see, 
unless I touch and place my finger. He gave everything that Thomas prayed for, that he was looking for. God met his need at the exact time, at the exact moment when it was needed. And this is what I believe. Jesus showed Thomas everything. He showed him his deity and his humanity. Imagine this in the upper room. If he saw the spear pierced side, he saw every stripe that he was wounded with. He saw the blood driven coming down his head. He saw the imprints of the crown that they placed on his head. The scars that was on his body. He saw it all. He saw the humanity of God. God allowed Jesus to be transparent. And so that's why I believe leaders... We are called to be transparent as well. We have to show our brokenness. We have to show our wounds. Jesus had compassion for Thomas. And he says this. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe." And I love verse 30 and 31. This is what it says. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Come on, church, that you may have life in his name. So the worship team make their way back to the stage. Unbelief in signs, Unbelief in the Spirit and unbelief in the Scriptures. That faith is not hoping that God can, it's knowing that God will. And that we don't allow our problems to shape our perspective that molds our predictions. And that life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but it's peace in the very midst of of difficulties. So when we say amen, I just want to remind you what amen means. That we agree with God. That we move with God. That we end with God. And that we never doubt God. Amen. Let us stand.
So when we agree with God, we're saying that, God, you are the King of kings and that you are the Lord of lords. And, God, when we are moving with you, God, that we are allowing your Holy Spirit to guide us, God, that you're allowing your Holy Spirit to direct our footsteps. And then all that we do, all that we desire is that we desire that we end with God, that we end with the peace of God, the shalom of God. Trusting in him and him alone. Never doubting him. And that's why he's great and greatly to be praised. So today we're going to sing, great are you, Lord. There's no other way that we can say, but great are you, Lord. Because we know even in our disbelief that God, our faith, we desire that our faith will never falter. That God, when we face a faith crisis, God, that we place our trust and hope in you alone. But at that moment when you're, you're struggling with your walk with God, that those who are on your right and those who are on your left will help you walk with them. That they're willing to pray with you. Touch and agree. See you at your weakest. Encourage you in such a way that you know that God is with you, that he would never leave you or forsake you, and that we are reminded to be strong and courageous. Thank so you for listening to audio from One Church. If you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is, visit onechurchnc.net. If you are local to our campus, plan your visit online at onechurchnc.net slash visit.